guys, welcome back to the Sexy Scary Book Club. I'm Lisa. And I'm Jess. And this week we're talking about another standalone book that uh, Jessica had recommended at the end of the last episode. Um, this one is about vampires. Uh, one of my classic, classic favorites. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's called Under the Blood Red Moon, and it's by Mina Hepson. Uh, and it's it's this one's an oldie. This one was mm-hmm. released um, in September uh, 2008, so been out for a while. And um, where where's she at, Mina? I don't know. So I was trying. I was like, oh, she never wrote anything else. But then there are like German books online, but I can't tell if it's the same book and they just marketed it differently. My German's not that good, but I'm not sure. There was like multiple books, but they're all in the same world and they're in German, so we can't read them. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I did <laughs> see that she's, well, I think she lives in Spain. Really? I thought she was yeah. in like Hungary. She's, or Scotland. She's, well, she's I don't all know. Over I think the place. she is, I believe she is Hungarian. Okay. Um, or at least that's where she grew up. Um, anyway, yeah, it's, I, I loved it. I'd love to Woo-hoo! read more from her. Um, you know, I certainly, I I do think the book has some issues. Um, and I don't know, like now we've read two standalones and now I'm starting to think as much as I kind of bag on, on this genre, because it's like always it's a series. It's always at least a trilogy or just an ongoing series. But now I'm like, well, Depending on what the world is like and how many characters you're introducing, I that maybe that's necessary in order to like fully tell a story. Yeah, I get. I mean, I felt like it was a complete story. It was a complete story. I mean, certainly everything wrapped up. I just felt like I felt like there was some areas that could have been more developed in a more satisfying way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you know, let's get into it. It had me right off the bat because the I good. the writing's good, but also yeah. I'm just a sucker for that era. I love a period piece. I love Victorian. Um, you know, it's like a kind of like Bridgerton, in a way, <laughs> which I enjoy because it it sort of you know takes that London high society, but inserts a little bit of uh, fun and kind of um, humor and, and sexiness. I think Um, my response to you was like, isn't it so lush? I love how lush it is. Um, And I was like thinking about that. I was like, is that because it's already a world that I have context in and that I can kind of fill in the blanks? And I'm like wondering, is it easier to do a standalone and create the world when you're based in the real world versus the last book where it really was a a new world with some nods to stuff that we knew, but I don't know. That could be, um, you know, certainly there's still some paranormal elements that are kind of operating outside of of the norm as we know it or as we've seen it um, in other straight tales of this era like pride and prejudice you know i i think the main character angelica she's she's a real elizabeth bennett type character um you know kind Mm -hmm. of russian she's russian (laughs) yeah she's russian but raised kind of on the fringes of london society 
uh, grew up in like a country estate after she's orphaned her and her brother. Um, and, you know, not really interested in that kind of London high society lifestyle. She just wants to be left alone out there in the country with her books and her horses. Um, well, and with a lack of people, because the, the thing about her is that she can hear people's thoughts and she can't really keep it from entering her mind. Like she hears everything. So she's just really tired of hearing what people think about in their head. Yeah. Especially <laughs> men. Exactly. You know, trying to entertain the idea of marriage and she's a smart lady. She's an intellectual and all she can, can hear in the, the men's inner thoughts is, you know, what lewd. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wanting to get in her pants and not actually caring about getting to know her or um, developing that relationship. So she just doesn't want to deal with it. Um, but she kind of has to, twofold. I mean, I think she she isn't aware that their fortunes are in jeopardy, and but she moves yeah. to London because her brother has become concerned about her lifestyle, her younger brother. Um, and he's an interesting character because he – see, he's one that I thought could have maybe been written a little bit better. So okay. So he's like sort of halfway a dandy. A dandy? Like, yeah, kind of, right? I mean, yeah. he's like a – He's in the scene. <laughs> yeah, but he – I feel like maybe it would have been better if they would have gone like full full on with that type of character because really they make it that he's got like a weak heart or he's got some sort of sickness. Right. Um, And that's why Angelica can't like introduce any stress into his world. And so when they find out or she finds out that um, their fortune has been lost, they had, I guess, some ships where they had goods on it or some something. I don't really know. Yeah, exactly. I didn't really know how that worked. I was like, oh, okay. I guess they make investments and ship things. Yeah, like and... merchant ships or something like that. And they yeah. were lost at sea. And so they've there goes their fortune. And now all of a sudden they've got limited funds to live off of that are probably only going to be lasting them for like five or six more months. And so right. all of a sudden she's like, well, shit, now I, I, I need to find me a rich husband. Right. I have um, to get married. <laughs> yeah. I've got to play the part. I've got to go to, into London society and go to these balls and try to find a, a suitable husband. And so that's sort of her her focus for this tale, <laughs> this book. Right. Um, and, and like not let anyone know that I'm a real weirdo because she definitely sees like her ability as a flaw or something to be hidden. Right. Yeah, I mean, and it is, it is like, you know, right? <laughs> men, men in that world, they want their women to kind of be seen and not heard. Um, so certainly that would be, I mean, I think that would be off-putting for most people if they- I hear you. your thoughts. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's unsettling to say the least. Um, but anyways, yeah, so I feel like they made, that would be her brother's problem. Like, as the, the man of the family, like, that would be his problem to find a rich wife. Right. Um, but she doesn't want to trouble him with this because he's ill. Exactly. She's going to take care of it. 
Yeah, but I don't know. I guess in order to keep his character likable, that was a better solution than just kind of making him... Like, what if he was gay? What if he was like... There was some other reason why she she didn't want to make that his problem. and Or he yeah. was just incompetent because he was like living this party lifestyle. Um, I don't know. I just, I felt like his him being sick was kind of strange. Hmm. I don't know that that really contributed anything. I think, well, so something that she, this author does a lot is she explains everything, like why it would be that way. She's really good about that. Almost to an annoying point where I'm like, it's okay. I can suspend disbelief for a second here. <laughs> um, she really lays it all out, right? And so I think probably... I, this is what I would imagine. She was reading through it and she's like, okay, I need like a catalyst. I need a reason why she would be taking on this responsibility and why she can't tell her brother everything. And she's like, heart condition. There we go. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't a bad thing. It was just kind of a, I don't really know why that's there, but okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, it makes him a sympathetic character. Um, and, you know, cl- obviously they're close. They love each other. And, um, yeah. You know, you bring up a good point, though. Like, why did there even need to be a brother? Like, she could have just, you know, it could have been the same story. She finds out her fortune is gone, so she better go get herself married. Um, otherwise, she'll be broke. It is weird that they had to have a brother element in there. Well, yeah. I mean, there would have, I guess, needed to be somebody because in that sort of world, like, she wouldn't be living there alone. You know, like, she yeah. probably would have had to have been living with the aunt or aunt in that case. Aunt. Um, yeah. So, that's true. That's true. I'm, he's I'm like in the wrong decade. Or whatever. Century. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There's the whole, like, propriety issue of, of how she makes her way in society. And, and I guess her brother is her chaperone. Yes. But right? she's lucky because she's very attractive. Yes. <laughs> so it's going to make her life a little bit easier. Right. No problem there. Like lots of suitors. <laughs> yes. Lots she's of the, suitors. the bell of the ball, as they say. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, you know, of, of course, then we meet our male lead of this story at one of these balls. And it's uh, it's a prince, a Russian prince. Well, and she's technically a princess as well. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Which they don't really, uh, maybe they do explain. And it's I just the father, the father was royalty and then the mother was English. And that's why they're kind that's of right. like on the outskirts because they, he went to English society and, you know, he still has this title, but he married an English woman. So. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I do remember that. Anyway. So yeah. So we get our Russian prince, uh, Alexander Korkin. Korkin. Um, Korkin. That sounds good. <laughs> And he is a vampire, a Russian vampire, and he is uh, the ruler of the Eastern clan, um, which I guess, you know, they've got heads of a vampire state. Right. <laughs> I was really, really trying to figure that out because, like, I think the southern one was French and I was like, how is she? Why would she be from this guy's north? I couldn't like I felt like it didn't yeah, map the out directions. right. And I don't really understand, like. It seems like the Duke, I guess it's one of the Dukes and Duchesses. They're also vampires. Yeah. It seems like they would have been in charge of that area. Well, he was, right? He was in charge of London. I guess. Okay. And he brought Alexander in. Right. (laughs) He's like his 
Alexander's in charge of other areas, which include London. So it's like he's he's the Duke's supervisor. <laughs> no, no, the, the Duke. No, no, no. The no? Duke is in charge of like that area of London. Alexander is in charge of the East um, and like Russia. Okay, but and he's so, just coming in because the yeah. rogue vampire the is from his area. Yes, and so James okay. is like, hey, bro, you're the best Slayer killer. We all know that. You need to come in and help me catch this Slayer. Oh, I thought it was the rogue vampire he was after. That too. Okay, both. There's right, two, okay. yeah. And I don't okay. know at the beginning if they realize the rogue vampire and the Slayer are working together, but that is implied later on. Yes. Yes, and I don't. I see. Okay, well, we'll get there. I didn't. <laughs> that wasn't something that was satisfying, like explained in a satisfying way to me. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, so yeah, so he's he's the ruler of the Eastern Clan, and so he's come to London to help secure this situation that's gotten out of control. We have not only got a vampire slayer, but we've also got a rogue vampire who is killing humans which as we come to learn is against the vampire code number one no no rule you don't kill humans and you don't draw attention to the vampires right and which that's normal we've heard that before (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i don't know about the not killing humans but the certainly not doing it in a way that brings attention that it was done by a vampire um and so Another thing we learn about Alexander is that he he has had a loss in his life that has kind of fundamentally changed him as a person. And now ever since his his sister died, who was also a vampire, because I guess it's like a genealogical trait. You don't really get that. It seems like vampires can't be made. You're just born a vampire and that's yeah. your... Yeah, you're born oh. a vampire, and you have to make it to 500 to be able to breed. So yes. all these vampires are like, they don't make it to 500. They're depressed. Their lives mm-hmm. are long. They're lonely. They're not in it. Like, they're like, I'm done. I love this. I actually love this part of the book. That's like, because I feel like that's what it would be like if you were actually a vampire and you just lived and lived and lived. And like, you would. You'd be depressed. You would be over it eventually. And you'd just be like, I'm going to tap out. Like, I don't yeah, need to go I on. I agree. I like that, too. It's, you know, it's implied that they are immortal. They just choose. Yeah. Not, they don't choose immortality eventually. Um, and that, I mean, I think you didn't really like this movie, but that reminded me a lot of that Love Only Lovers Left Alive movie with Tilda Swinton. And um, I didn't see that. Oh, well, it's sort of the same thing. It's like this main vampire character who's, um, is it Tom Hiddleston? Loki. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he plays the main vampire, and it's sort of same thing. He's been kind of off on his own because he's lost the will to live, and his romantic partner on again, off again through the centuries is Tilda Swinton, and so it's about her kind of coming back to him after a period that they've not been in each other's lives to try to get him up out of this depression to keep going. Ah. Um but it's yeah, I lo- it's actually one of my favorite movies. I it's great. It's one of my the best vampire movies out there. I think uh, just because I do think it's very accurate to how it would be 
Right? Like, I feel like you get depressed. And, like, they do, they play that a lot, too, with Alexander. Like, he doesn't react like he remembers he once did. Like, jokes don't make him laugh. Like, that joy is just kind of gone. And that, like, desire for people is kind of gone. And, like, I feel like that's how old vampires actually would be. They wouldn't be, like, you know. Well, yeah, because, I mean, shit, I feel like that sometimes. (laughs) For 42 years here, almost. Um, But, yeah, so it's, like. You just, you have become so far removed from the humanity that you are interacting with every day that it's just, yeah, it just kind of, nothing has a point. It's just all kind of going through the motions and no connection to anything around you. Um, So yeah, I I liked that part of things too. And I liked, I thought the vampires were were really interesting in this world um, Mm -hmm. because they... They're like kind of normal. <laughs> right. Really, the like goal is for them to be like humans. Um, and they've kind of organized all of their laws around this and blending into the human race. You know, like you're not they're not allowed to drink even drink human blood is what I, I got that impression. Like they're not even yeah. allowed to bite a human. No. Um and you know, they are, like you said, they are immortal. But, you know, usually their lifespan is like really 500 long. to 700 years because then they just off themselves. But they're really trying to make it to at least 500 years because that's when they can start having vampire babies. And it seems like that is a problem because a lot of them are dying off before they get to this point. And so right. therefore their race dying is out. declining. Um and that becomes more important later as we go along with this romance between Alexander and Angelica because, you know, his goal is to live long enough to have a vampire child and her goal is to get married. And if they, they, they can have babies with humans, but it has to be a particular kind of human to be able to then give birth Mm-mm. to a half-vampire, half- At this point, they can't have babies with humans, but they're waiting for this blessed myth that some of them believe in and some of them don't believe in to where they would be able to create and basically be, like, a new species. It'd be, like, human with their, like, benefits without the blood. Without the need for blood. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But anyways, we get from the get-go, there's this kind of push and pull because these two characters gravitate toward each other and there's an attraction and a connection. Um, but, you know, her focus is on getting married and she knows she doesn't think he's interested. And so he's not going to be a, a suitor for her. And then he he's interested in betting her. I mean, that's pretty clear. I think like from the get-go, he's like, no, we're going to fuck. But right now you're a distraction to me. And so first I got to take care of this right. Slayer rogue vampire business. But then you're, I'm totally going to take you as a lover. But that I don't even know if she really knows how she feels about him in the beginning. She's just intrigued because he can also read minds. And so she's like, holy shit, are there other people like me? You have to tell me more. And that's really what like motivates her to like get all up in his business. She wants to know like if there are more people like her. Uh-oh. You disappeared. Where'd you go? I'm here. Okay. Can you see me again? I can, yeah. All right. I'm going to mark that time down. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, so 
they meet. Let's talk about their meeting. He he is at the opera with the Duke, who I don't remember what his name is, the Duke and Duchess, so I'm just going to refer to it's them like as that. James and Margaret or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Um, anyways, he's at the, the opera, and he mistakes Angelica for a vampire because he feels her pressing into their minds like he feels that they are she is eavesdropping on their conversation and i and i guess we're to assume that uh telepathy is is a vampire thing (laughs) like so obviously if if she's able to hear their thoughts she's a vampire and he's like oh huh like i've never seen her before she's new to this area and she hasn't like checked in to report her her visiting yeah they're very organized these vampires <laughs> yeah they kind of got eyes on each other all the time you gotta yeah. you can't go into somebody else's territory without letting them know you're there um so you know he's he's then su- very surprised to learn that she's human and sort of puts walls up and blocks her from getting into his mind um at that point but then he also she is like oh my gosh somebody else that can mm-hmm. read minds like this is you know this is why she's drawn to him because she's never come across another person that can do that she thought she was all alone in this um and so she kind of, she's very like upfront with them like i know you can read minds like you know i can read minds uh, yeah what's, what's going on there what's going on with that um and that's another kind of if this had been a series I feel like this part could be could have been developed a little bit better because basically he teaches her how to put walls up against other people's thoughts in like one minute. It's that easy, it's like, boom. you know. Yeah, but I know, like to me, <laughs> she's so smart. Like they really like make that known from the get go that she is very intelligent. She's a quoter she- though. Woo! Yeah, I but she would have figured it out. She would have figured it out if it was that easy. I mean, maybe, but, like, sometimes if you don't realize something's actually an option, you're never going to, like, go that route and try. I guess. I don't know. I was just like, eh. I feel like there would have been some, in another book that was a series, there would have been, like, ongoing trainings for how this is done uh, until the, like, character is able to master it. It would have been more of a process. But they do, they also make a mention a lot, like she's really a really strong telepath. Like they're not usually that good. And so she really does. She hears everything because she's so strong. She can break through everyone's barriers and she doesn't even realize she's doing that. So she might like, I don't know if she would figure it out. Yeah, maybe not. I just felt like that could have been a missed opportunity in like building up the relationship between. I just like imagine like, a montage, and he's like, "Okay, now focus." Because <laughs> I'm like, you know, I don't know. It switches to her like running through a field and blocking yeah. random thoughts, and like. <laughs> I mean, I guess I just I'm thinking of it. I'm thinking of it like when Barons taught Mac the, how to do the voice. Yeah, yeah, and then she's you know, I mean, smarter. So. <laughs> That's fair. But also, and also, you know, we've got one book. So we got to we, we gotta wrap this up. Yeah, you got to figure out where to put focus. Um, so I get that. I'm just saying. I'm just trying to pick out the areas where I'm like, could have been stronger if it was a series versus a standalone. And okay. like, is this genre the right fit for, for a standalone book? 
is my the, the way oh, I approached this. You know, that kind of goes along with what I said about knowing to block thoughts. If you don't know that you could block them, you're not going to try. I feel like if we didn't know about this world of trilogies and never-ending series and we read this, we would feel fulfilled because we wouldn't know to be looking for that next book. But we're so set up now to look for the, like, the next book. Like, you know, the next explanation, the, like, you know, evolution of these lands that we're introduced to or these stories or universes. So it could just be our expectations have changed a lot. Yeah, that's true. Um, And I, you know, overall, I did like this book and I was satisfied by the complete story. Was, um, did the ending bug you though? What won't for, I shouldn't jump to the ending. Yeah, we'll get there. It had a trope that we've kind did. of picked on before. Yeah, it did. Um, yeah, so so okay, so so let's talk about um, more about the vampires. One thing that I really did like uh, was how I thought it was a very smart narrative device to teach us how this world works by not just a character's like exposition, but by kind of showing us these ceremonies that we get yeah. in the book. I love um, the vampire ceremonies. Awesome. Yeah. It was just a smart way to like mm-hmm. introduce us to how this world works. I-, I found that to be very satisfying. Like we get the um we get the ceremony with the, the boy yeah, the where coming he's of age. transitioning into an adult vampire and kind of what this means. Um, which is also where Angelica discovers that they are vampires. So it's a very kind of important part of the book. She, and I really like that. She, I can't remember what he did, but he did something to piss her off in the middle of the night. She decides I can't sleep. Like I'm going to go confront him in his house. So she like runs to his house and breaks in. Which they explain. I love this. They're like, I picked a lock because one time my brother gave me this book about 200 things you know how to do that you never thought or something like along those lines. And there was a segment about picking locks with your bobby pins. And so (laughs) I'm like, that's what I was talking about. Like, sometimes I don't need too much of an explanation. (laughs) Right. It could have just been, the door just could have been open. (laughs) She was mad at him though, because she like sent him a note and then he like basically blew her off with the response. But yeah, so she was like, I'm going. Yeah. And I did think, I mean, I liked that part, but I, and you know, I get like maybe the vampires are distracted because they're in the middle of the ceremony, but you know, they're still supposed to have like heightened senses. Right. Like wouldn't wouldn't they have, you know, sniffed her out? (laughs) I think he does talk about her scent in this book, doesn't he? Maybe not. I don't Um, remember if it was scent, but he definitely hears things. Like he knows when people are coming. Like yeah. before a normal human would realize that someone was on the way. Yeah. So I think maybe that that may have been a little bit sloppy. But they're distracted. They're in the middle of the ceremony. So I'll buy that. I'll buy that. Um, but she is caught. And so now there's a problem because she's such a strong telepath, as you had mentioned, that what they would normally do in this situation would be to just erase the human's memory of what they had seen. Um, and that's sort of how they stay on top of of keeping the vampires, like, you know, secret. Um, because, of course, this is going to happen from time to time. Uh, but they can't do that with Angelica because her mind is too powerful. So she can just get back into their minds and, and <laughs> right all over again. Um, and so, you know, there's a there's a little bit of a debate that happens um whether or not they're going to have to kill her. 
because she knows right. who they are. I don't really ever think that they are contemplating this as a serious possibility because at no. this point, Alexander's like, I'm already into her. Like, there's well, no way I'm going to be able to let harm come to her at this point. I'm already that, and like James and Margaret and the vampires, like, they've already established like they're very compassionate like beings. Like, and they say even later, like. What the heck? You were sitting there stressing her out, making her think that we were going to kill her. We were never going to kill her. We're going to find a solution to this. So, yeah. I yeah. Don't. I mean, they're and they all like her at this point. They've all been introduced. Um, yeah. She's so smart. She's got a wicked little tongue. They like that. Not yeah. like that way, but you know. <laughs> I know what you mean. But these books, you never know. That's so. true. That's true. Um, but anyway, so their solution is that she is basically under house arrest. Yeah, um, with, with Alexander as her. Yeah, mm, but yeah. <laughs> they can't portray it as such to the outside world, of course, because it would be highly inappropriate for her to be living under Alexander's roof um, as yeah. an unmarried woman. So they do mind manipulation. Um, and I think it's like inappropriate also for the vampires in a sense because not only do they do like a, a mind manipulation to make the people of angelica's household believe that she's still living there like her brother and i guess the servants at her house um but they also kind of elect the duchess as her chaperone steward or cha- yeah chaperone um so that you know it's not improper for her to be having this much interaction with um alexander that's like not chaperoned so and also he's busy so he can't watch it all the time he's he's busy finding sergi and identifying the slayer yeah and so so yeah so that's another character we kind of meet (laughs) and that's sergi yeah i call him sergey sergey i don't know i'm not russian i don't know I just say Sergi. Okay. I always rename everybody. Me too. I mean, sometimes the pronunciations are like, I don't know. I'm just going to give it my best shot. Yeah. Um, But Sergi, like, yeah, he's a killer, but he's not totally unlikable. He's just like, this is bullshit. We are vampires. We're top of the food chain. We shouldn't be like following rules and keeping things quiet. We should be taking shit over. Yeah, and I mean, I think this is kind of like the beginnings of a power play where he yeah. is kind of trying to insert his dominance by killing these people and leaving a, a, a trademark on them by putting like ruby, a ruby the necklace. ruby necklace. Yeah, yeah. where is he getting all these ruby necklaces? Also, <laughs> he's he's stealing them. He could take yeah. them and just you yeah. know manipulate people's minds but yeah i, I kind of loved that like it's yeah it's i, w- I would have liked, liked more from him yeah I, he was I, interesting. Like he's a character that we didn't really get uh to know that well he he no. seemed very secondary to to what was going and again like there you can you only have so much time in a standalone because you have to tell this full story of the romantic relationship between the two characters and you have to have some sort of conflict um but I don't know. I liked that part of it, but I don't know that that was that didn't really need to be there, right? You like, could have just had a love just story. had the Slayer too. The sla- you know, it was the yeah. Slayer and Sergi or Sergey, and also we have Joanna, who is uh one of the vampire characters that Angelica befriends. Um, yeah. 
She likes and, her because she's not like catty and jealous like the other women. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we learn that Joanna is helping Sergi. Yeah. But we, we never really know why. Like, oh, so are I think they, in her- they got a thing. Yeah. They're- yeah. It just, I don't know. Like, I never, I never really got her motivation. It seemed, again, like, kind of interesting. Like, I would have yeah. liked to have learned more about that, but I don't know that that needed to, to be there. That definitely could have been flushed out a little bit more. I mean, he, Sergi does, like, talk to, like, manipulating her, and she was so easy to manipulate. Um, but they don't necessarily talk about, like, Joanna's perspective, like, if she did love him or what was going on there. Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, it. he needed some sort of, way into the inner circle because he was getting his information from from someone um but yeah I just I would have liked to have kind of figured out a little bit more about why she was helping him and and kind of what she had hoped to gain from that because you didn't get the sense from her character that she was like unsatisfied with no her life as a vampire so what why would she want to help him fuck shit up yeah they don't make that clear you're right yeah, but I liked her. It, I don't know. She would have been like a a good kind of villain with a heart of gold sort of character, you yeah. know, like, uh, but yeah, I mean, that would have taken it an entirely different direction. Like I could have, I could have done with a, another book in the same world that was that story and where them. she was the main character. Yeah. yeah. And like, it's possible know. that like she was kind of supposed to be that type of character, but editing and you know keeping yeah. the book or short you know, maybe concise. she had another book planned and then she should write it happened. now <laughs> yeah she should i'd like to hear it i like that character um yeah okay so what was like what's some parts of the book that you loved like what was your kind of favorite i love like the slow burn for sure. And I love when they're in the art museum and she's looking at that painting and she's just like taken by it. And she's saying it's like beautiful. And he's like, huh, interesting. And it turns out that he was actually the artist behind that painting back in the day where he still had passion. Um, and she connected to it. And then they have a hot little kiss. And it's just, it's nice. It's good. <laughs> yeah. I also loved that scene. Um, yeah. I will say that I loved all of the buildup. The buildup was yeah. so great. And then when they finally got to it. It's meh. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I was like, oh, where's all the foreplay? I, so I was actually thinking about that too. I was like, dude, do I not even really like the sexy time? Am I, I think I might be a slow burn girl. I think I like all the lead up way more than the like actual, like, you know, d and the v like i don't know if i really care about that part so much and then another book we read read after this was so so sexy forward that i was like huh i think i i think i'm more of a slow burn person i want the like a slow off, burn but... but i like there to be a payoff that yeah satisfying. there really wasn't it was very um vanilla well and... also i just feel like i mean I know it's been a while, Alexander. No, well, actually, it hasn't because he fucks some other vampire before this. He does, which that scene was hot, too. And I was like, it was. That's, yeah. I it, actually read a review that were like, I do not like when I the main has sex with somebody that's not the like love yeah, interest of the book. Yeah. And I was like, I don't mind it because to me, it's more realistic. 
Exactly. Especially when you're dealing with a non-human character that isn't kind of tethered to that same morality. Morality, exactly. Yeah. I think that's when people maybe do have certain morals and then they want to see them played out in their books. And mm-hmm. And that's have, fair, but I just, I don't, light. yeah, I don't share that. Like I, I don't yeah, either. I don't, yeah. yeah, I don't think that makes him a bad person. Um, no. I think, no. you know, sex can be sex and love can be love and the two can, can overlap and they certainly right. don't have to. <laughs> and also like he makes it very clear, like he has a responsibility to breed with a vampire. So like in his mind, they can't be. So if he wants to go and get off with this woman or vampire and think of her, sure buddy go for it like it doesn't right. bother me really yeah. I mean I would not like if they were committed and then he did it that's a different story but that's not what we're dealing with and I kind of thought the whole scene was really hot I did too yeah. I just then when you got to their sex scene I was like I kind of feel not like you're hot. just bad at sex it seemed like a real like pump pump and you're done yeah it was so fast I'm sorry um let me read a passage that I highlighted from that Alexander growled deep in his throat as he felt her explode beneath him. Her pleasure pushed him over the edge, and Angelica cried out yet again as his feelings washed over her. Feelings? Like, why, though? From missionary? Like, she's a virgin, and he gave her, like, a pump, pump, ah, in missionary, and she was supposed to have multiple orgasms? And she orgasms? Yeah, sure. I don't, eh... I mean, maybe you use this like telepathy because I feel like a lot of that's in your brain anyway. So well, maybe like- <laughs> it just wasn't it wasn't described in a satisfying way. Yeah, like I don't I I love the idea that feelings will make you orgasm, but it's not really like that. <laughs> yeah, well, and I just felt like the the other moments that they had, like the foreplay moments, was hotter, were hot. So it it's was like she's so obviously hot. capable yeah. of writing that kind of scene in a satisfying way it just was like oh yeah I guess that's it okay no it was really quick and then he's just like this that which I liked that part but he's just like you know come with me to Russia basically right Mm -hmm. and she thinks they're gonna get married yeah and he's like no you're just gonna be my like whatever you call it consort and she's like well no I got it and then you know it's like I gotta get married I have I have to do that. Like this yeah. can't be. Um Oh, I forgot the other really like going back to slow burn. When she's at that dinner and she's playing the piano and like God, it's such a good like she's so good at setting the scene and like the lights are off and he walks in and he's just like listening to her and he's t- totally taken by her. And then she ends the song and she hears him say, Be mine in her mind. And she's like, Oh, that didn't happen. I loved that. Yeah. Uh-huh. That was so yeah, great. I did too. It was it was sexy. <laughs> It and really I, I really liked the the dinner party where she's going toe to toe with, with uh, that guy, the other lord. Yeah, um, and then he says like, um, "Oh, what does he say?" I think I did write it down, but maybe not. Something oh, pompous. Well, yes, like they're they've got their <laughs> back and forth, and Alexander's just kind of like, "Huh," and you know he tries to kind of he wants to step in and defend her and she's like I got this like I don't yeah. I got this and he respects that but then he looks at her and she's like what and he says nothing really it's just an interesting experience to watch you show your claws yeah that was so <laughs> fun I liked that yeah um 
No, yeah, there's lots I, of great moments. There That's are, good. yeah, there are. It's a, it's a very, I agree with you, it's a very lush world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that it does help that that's a world that we're pretty familiar with um when you're also then bringing in this kind of paranormal element you don't have as much explaining to do about your world because it's like an established world with this like subsect of beings that are in it and how they operate as a part of as a part of that world um and so I, I did feel like overall this was done in a much more satisfying way than the savage and the swan just because there's less explaining that you have to do about how your world works when it's already an established one um so maybe that's the key (laughs) to a successful standalone is don't make your world so complicated um make sure it's grounded in something we already know (laughs) yeah yeah um oh and then you know so we've got the I guess the big misdirect of the book, because uh, we have this Slayer character who you get tidbits sprinkled throughout that the Slayer and Sergi are working together, um, but we don't know who the Slayer is. And Angelica has this other suitor. Is it Nicholas? Is that his name? Nicholas. Yeah. What's his deal then? So okay, obviously they're telegraphing know. it big time that he's the Slayer, but. That's but like the are they? Okay, so this is actually one of my biggest, like, I love this book, obviously. This is one thing that I'm always confused by, because at one point, Alexander's like, don't see Nicholas. You have to stop seeing Nicholas. And you kind of implies that he thinks Nicholas might be the Slayer. or a p- He's potential. on a list. He's, He's on, on a list, list of that's potential. Been given to him, yeah. Yeah, but then at some point, he just decides that that doesn't matter because he knows that she's, like, courting him because Margaret is with them. And so he has to know that Nicholas and her are still happening, but he doesn't say anything. Yeah, I. that's another thing. And again, it's I know that there's a time constraint, but I would have liked more time with Alexander and this mystery that he's trying to solve. Yeah, you don't get that at all. You, you just don't know really he's get working it on it. Yeah. Um, and I think that might be why the conclusion of the book was, to me, not satisfying. It was because, almost comical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it just, yeah, it, exactly. And also, like, then you never learn. So we find out, big reveal that the Slayer is, in fact, her aunt. Yeah. Who's, like, an old doddering lady at this point, right? That's or I guess not so agile. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but we had already learned, like, right before this, that uh, Angelica's, fa- per- the person she thought was her father was, in fact, not. And her mom had been married to another man, and ended up pregnant, uh, and the man was crazy. He was this weird, crazy guy that would disappear. And, you know, eventually he just left. And so they spirited the mom away, and she was just barely pregnant with Angelica. And then she hurried and married... A Russian the, prince. Yeah, the Russian <laughs> prince. And then they went on to have Angelica's younger brother. Um, but of course, you know, I think we all knew from the get-go... Once we once we figured out that she was telepathic and that was something that was uh, specific to vampires and also the yeah. whole like talk that they had about this blessed character. Well, obviously she's going to be one of those. Yeah, <laughs> she's a this- vampire. So we learned that her father was a vampire and her her aunt was the slayer, and so she slayed the father um, and kind of kept that secret 
from Angelica. So we learn that she's half vampire, but she is this blessed. She's this blessed thing. Doesn't have to drink blood, but she's part vampire, part human. And she learns. Oh, go ahead. Her dad must have also been somehow a little different to be able to like breed with the mom and create Angelica. Like unless the mom was also a blessed. Like, is there just one? Or yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, but whatever. Maybe it's like the Slayer uh, Buffy. It's like there can be only one. There can be only and one. When one yeah. dies, <laughs> another one takes her takes place. Takes place. Yeah, that's um, it. But yeah, so after after Alexander and Angelica have sex, she discovers she's pregnant. And the way that she knows <laughs> yeah. this is that there's like this tattoo that shows up on her stomach. Yeah, like a crescent moon with a star or something. And she knows what this means. And I thought this was also a smart narrative device because she loves to read. Yeah. And Alexander realizes when he has to, like, you know, lock her away. She's kind of like a prisoner, but not really a prisoner. Well, here, take this book to read. And it's basically like yeah. a how-to for vampire right? And she's <laughs> God damn you, Alexander. You've got my number. You know, I'll stay in here and read all day. How could you give me a book? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so she learns all about, you know, this mythology of the blessed and and what to look for. Um, So, yeah, so it ends up that she's pregnant, which, like, one of the tropes, a virgin who ends up pregnant at the end of the book. That's a big, big trope for this type of book. Um, But, yeah, so we get to the end of the book um, where we get the face-off with, the Slayer and Sergei, who both end up dead. And there's this really kind of weird comical scene of Sergei and, and Alexander fighting. Yeah, which, which I... It's actually really reminded me of Twilight. I don't... When did Twilight come out? I don't remember. I, was it before this? It was right around this time. I read Twilight, and I know not all the books were out, and I read everything that I could, and then this is the book I read right after. It just reminded me a lot of the fight scene between uh, Edward and James in the ballet studio. Like the way that they were facing off in this kind of like animalistic Yeah, I can see that. I honestly, Um, I wanted more because we hear all these stories about how Alexander is this like badass, like savage that just takes out all these slayers. And all the vampires have this like history of being like warriors and fighting in these crazy battles. And it's just like... It just kind of seemed like, you know, two teenage boys fighting until one dies. I don't know. I didn't. Yeah. It, to me, it was a lot like the sex scene where there was a lot of build up <laughs> and then it was like, meh, okay. Oh, yeah. Exactly. But it's like, also, you know, maybe she's just not that experienced or, or not, that's not her strength is action. Action. Because action, that's yeah. hard. Like, that's a yeah. hard thing to write in a satisfying way. I always kind of think that when people are describing battle and and there's a lot of that especially in the more modern paranormal romance novels or urban fantasy where you're dealing with these like large kind of a lot of times having to do with fey like these large worlds where all of these battles are happening and a lot of the heroines are these kind of women been brought up to be warriors and so there's a lot of like action and fighting and um I always kind of tip my hat when 
when a battle scene is is written in a satisfying way because I, I understand yeah. that that's I, I think that's a very specific skill that a lot of writers struggle with right I mean it's honest it's usually a surprise when I get that in one of these books I'm like oh wow all right they can write action sweet yeah <laughs> yeah like I think uh, Sarah J Mass and um, mm-hmm. Stacy Marie Brown are both really good at writing that's satisfying ex- action scenes exactly um, for Armin Trout too. Uh, but I feel like she there aren't as as many like full on battles like yeah. I, all the all the stuff uh, in Court of Thorn and Roses with like Cassian and Azriel and and Reese, um, just very epic. You know, like it really paints a picture. You're like you can really feel like you're you're there, and it's exciting to read. You have um, definitely read those more recently than I, because I'm like, <laughs> who, what, when. <laughs> Well, I just read the Nesta Cassian installment and that did, it's been a while since I've read the original series, um, but it did kind of shake, shake loose a lot of things in my memory that they kind of call back on in that book. Um, And that book's got a a lot of really great action in it too. Uh, Highly recommend uh, Court of Silver Flames if you haven't read it yet. I'm sure most people probably have. (laughs) I haven't. Yeah, you should. It's great. Um, Okay. It's like one of the first things I read after our fever. Um, uh, reread. Reread. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but anyways, I think, you know, I've got a lot of like high uh, expectations because I've seen it done so well that I just, it was, that yeah. part was kind of a letdown in this book for me. But also it's like, it's a totally different world. Like it we're is. talking about like prim proper high right. island in society. And- so I guess repression is big. <laughs> That's what I said, like, I kind of, it was kind of comical to me because I just imagined this older woman, which she's probably not even that old. She's probably in her forties. Yeah, she's probably our age. But like, I imagine her in like this, like floofy dress, like trying to be like a slayer and like doing flips. Like, it just made me laugh. Like this idea right. that this aunt is the slayer. And I then- mean, and I liked it though, because again, I just would have liked to have learned more about her. Yeah, because it's like, I get that how it would need to be a misdirect, how you need to like make yourself seem unassuming, but really right. like you know how to kick ass and you're like making it seem like you're more fragile than you are. Um, Which is but yeah, great. Just, That's a really interesting story. It just wasn't told. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It just see, I, I don't know. Like I understand that a misdirect can be satisfying, and that like they wanted us to think it was Nicholas, but then oh, twist! It's the aunt. But yeah. I almost think it would have been better if it just would have been Nicholas. Yeah, because well, then, then it was his deal. <laughs> Nicholas just ends up being like the nicest man alive, basically, because he's like, "It's all right. I still really like you." Even and she tells him like, "I'm pregnant." And he's like, oh, it's okay. You can't, you're not going to be with him. That's fine. Oh, I'll just raise it as my own. It's totally okay. And I was like, that's really sweet and all, but. She must be eh. real hot. I mean, everyone <laughs> says she's really hot. Yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah. I just think it would have been better if it just would have been him. Yeah. I, I wouldn't. No, because it would have been really predictable. Yeah. I mean, it was predictable anyway. Kind of. I mean, the blessed thing was out, like, from the get-go, you know, she's the blessed like she's yeah. gonna save the vampire race obviously but we do we learn that because in the end i mean the pregnancy thing but mostly because she does get wounded like mortally wounded mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. sergi and her aunt right they both get her um yeah. and she's given blood which normally if you're not a vampire that's not gonna work you're not gonna get healed but she heals from the blood so then they know oh 
she is a vampire. Right. And then she's, like, revered. Yeah, because she's a 20-year-old pregnant vampire. That makes her special. Right. <laughs> and then she's, like, at the end, she's, like, up on a cliff, like, coming up with a speech with her pregnant belly <laughs> that she's saving the vampires. That was a little weird, but. Yeah. 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 I just kept thinking of, like, Lion King and, like, when he's, like, raising <laughs> his son up. Right. Like, she's just there with her belly with its little tattoo and, like, here mm-hmm. I am to save you in the vampire race. So, yeah. And then it ended. Yeah, the end. Complete I mean, story. Yeah, I felt like it was satisfying overall. Um, and again, you know, like the things that were predictable. Predictable is not bad. I no. think there's there's certain um, things that you expect from these sorts of books. Uh, and so when they don't deliver on those, uh, that can be unsatisfying, even yeah. if they are predictable. Uh, so I think, you know, it does check pretty much all of those boxes. Um, and... It was enjoyable to read. Mm-hmm. It was an interesting world. I think it was really lush, like you said. Um, it reminded me, and I, I had mentioned this to you over text, it really reminded me a lot of the Gardella Vampire uh, Hunter series by Colleen Gleason. Yeah. Uh, also a Victorian era, but the you know the main character is a vampire slayer in that, and so the vampires aren't you know, like the likable characters of the book in that world. Uh, but it did did remind me a lot. And I, I kind of wonder if she had read the, I don't, I don't even know I don't when know. those came out either. But these are all around the same time period, I think. Um, Twilight came out in 2006. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I was ago. reading. So when we met, like a lot of the books I recommended to you were I was reading in that time period because those were like when I first started getting in back into that genre. Mm-hmm. And I I was reading that book, I think, when I worked at Pete's, so, or that series. So they're all Yeah, the I mean, time. that's, that's, I think I started it pretty much right after you recommended it, because you recommended Fever to me, and I, like, whipped through that, or the ones so that were good. out at that time. So I was yeah. like, okay, I'm going to read whatever this lady tells me is <laughs> good, because <laughs> yeah. I can't believe I hadn't heard of that one. Um, I think so, I even yeah. wrote them on, like, a little post-it. You did, yeah, and you, you did. in your locker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That was how we flirted with our friendship. Yeah. Oh, my God. I remember the first time we actually hung out. I'm like, oh, my God, we're doing it. We're friends. It's so hard to make friends as you get older because like, you is. don't know how to, like, break that wall. You're like, yeah. Okay. Well, and it's also especially when you, like, work with the people because it's like, well, yeah. it's like dating. It's like, well, what happens if you go hang out with them and then your personalities don't mesh, but then you work together and it's like, this is awkward because I don't really want to hang out with you again yeah. outside of work, but, like, you're fun to work with. So it's always a risk. There is always a risk involved. Yeah. Well, there was like that one lady that I had to stop hanging out with, and she also likes this genre, so who knows? She could have discovered this podcast. So I'm not going to be disparaging toward her because she was a fine person, but you know, when you're it an adult, work. you sometimes you just don't mesh. Your personalities just don't mesh, and it's yeah. nobody's fault, but at the same time, it's like I'm a grown-up. And I have limited personal time and I get to choose who I want to spend it with. (laughs) No, and like you and I are both pretty antisocial. So if we're going to take the time to like spend time with somebody, it's got to matter. Yeah, I don't want it to feel like enjoyable. I'm sorry. I'm too old for that. No offense. There's nothing wrong with you. It's just, it's not doing it for me. I don't like your personality. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with you. I just don't like your personality. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
I mean, look, like I'm, I can be a little off-putting, so I, no, you're maybe perfect. not everybody feels that way, but I'm picky yeah. with who I choose to spend time with. And it's not because I think I'm all great. I'm probably like super weird and, you know, possibly on the spectrum. So it's really difficult for me to find people that I can connect with. <laughs> if nothing, this last uh, year and a half has really... Uh, highlighted that for me because yeah. I always found myself to be a relatively easygoing person. But as it turns out, I have always had quite a number of anxieties. <laughs> yeah. Oh, only gosh. amplified over the last couple of years. So um, true. So yeah. true. I feel like they've come out so much. Like, not in you, I mean, in me. <laughs> <laughs> I knew what you meant. You're right, girl. I've seen it. <laughs> You're really falling apart. Yeah. Oh, no, boy. but it's, you know, I think that's probably been the case for a lot of people. Um, you know, I think mental health concerns have been on the rise. Uh, and I know, you know, there's a lot of therapist burnout going on. Um, Absolutely. Because their services have been so needed over the last couple right? of years. Um, so I don't, I don't feel like I'm, you know, unique in this sense, but. <laughs> But that's why I need my books with virgins yes. that end up pregnant in the end because I need some predictability. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also just an escape, which is yeah. what these oh, books God, have yes. always been for always. me. It's like, I don't want to think about my own dumb life. So I just want to get lost in this book for the weekend and be in an, in somebody else's world. Uh, and yeah. I, uh, God, I can't even, I still just don't understand the people that don't like to read. Like I, I, I didn't have that in my life. I uh, just, it's such a, a pleasure for me that it's, it would be really weird to not have that. Yeah. I mean, it's always been like a getaway in a safe place for me. So I can't imagine not having it, but I mean, I guess everybody has their own thing. I always think that That's like people yeah. that don't read are people that really like to get out and do stuff. Maybe. And like explore. So I'm like, okay, like I like that. I could get that if that's like your Yeah, thing. I mean reading can be very like alienating <laughs> as a hobby yeah. because you do it alone. And right? you usually do it at home. And unless you like meet somebody like you who really shares your love of the same types of books, it's it can be a very kind of solitary. I always think that as a writer too, because I always wished that I was a writer. Um and I'm very envious of the people that have been able to make that their career. But then on the other hand, I think like maybe I would be even more depressed. Because you're alone. Because all when the time. you're a writer, like not only are you alone all the time, but you're really like locked into these worlds. Yeah. And you have you're all this really pressure you're putting on yourself too to like create these worlds and bring them to yeah. life. It just seems like it would be easy to be lo get like lost in them. Um and like kind of ignore your real life. And also, how do you read? <laughs> like, I've read yeah. that a lot from writers. You it's don't. like, you either write or you read. And then I think, oh, well, I really wish that I could be a writer, but I don't want to sacrifice my reading time either. Like, that's – I understand because time mostly, and then also it's probably a really slippery slope to make sure that you're not borrowing um, somebody else's voice if you're trying to write something while you're, like, super into a book you're reading. Oh, uh, yeah, um, true. Yeah, but – I'm just not willing to give that up for any anybody or anything. <laughs> I need my books. Um, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, yeah, I I liked this book. I would 100% recommend it. Yay. Um, Gold I, star for yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> Good pick. Uh, spice level, eh. 
There's burn. So yeah. yeah. I was thinking about that because we were talking about like a scale and like I, we had a lovely typo where I kept saying ducking instead of fucking. <laughs> and so we're like, there's no, there's not really any ducks in this book. Like this is a very low duck book, but it is yeah. a spice book because there's yeah. lots of burn. There, yes. I mean, I definitely felt turned on at, at times in this yeah. book. It's just, I didn't climax, I guess. <laughs> Wouldn't be the best way to put that. I got turned on, but it never went anywhere. So I don't know. Like, I would say like three, I guess. I don't know. But then I don't when you think there's any ducks. I think we need ducks yeah. and then we need like chili peppers or <laughs> something. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's some chili peppers here for sure, but there there's no ducks. I mean, maybe give it like a beak. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I liked the growling deep in his throat, and I liked the exploding <sighs> beneath him, but it wasn't earned. <laughs> I love a good, like, deep throat growl. Yeah. Uh, Warwick's got a lot of uh, good ones. Warwick is a growler. Yeah. Jason mm. teases me because, did you watch Ted Lasso? I did. Okay, so Roy, he growls. Oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty sexy. His chest is a little too too hairy he's for me. He's small for me. I like, oh, you know. Okay. I like burly, but yeah, um, I he has mind burly that. energy, though, and I like yes. that. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. got big dick energy for sure. <laughs> he does have big dick energy. <laughs> but not anyway. like small dick masquerading as big dick. That's different. Like this is just oh, naturally yeah. like big dick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no matter the actual size of his dick, his energy is. It's big yeah. dick. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so yeah, so that's Under the Blood Red Moon by Mina Hepson. So if you, yeah. you guys haven't heard of this, which I hadn't, uh, it's an oldie but a goodie. And who knows, maybe she'll write uh, something else in English. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Because I would absolutely read more from her. Um, she's got a great voice. Um, she does. Yeah. So what are we What are we reading next? <laughs> um, ru- was it Ruin of Roses? A ruin yeah. Of- yeah. Ruin of Roses by K.F. Breen. Right. Um, and she she wrote the Sin and Chocolate series, which we both read a um, couple years back, year ago. I don't know. Was it during the pandemic? I think um, it was a pandemic book, but maybe yeah. like a early pandemic yeah, series. Yeah. I, I remember a lot about it, so it couldn't have been too, too long. Exactly. <laughs> too long ago. Um, but yeah, she's, I also really like her writing style. Um, mm-hmm. This one is like a kind of beauty and the beast. Right, which Alice in Wonderland. Wait, it's a little bit of everything because I first started, I was like, "Oh, this is like Red Riding Hood." No, it doesn't. It's just one little chapter that's like Red Riding Hood, and then it goes Beauty and Beast, and then it, yeah, mm-hmm. it goes a little Alice in Wonderland, it goes a little Rapunzel, like it does mm-hmm. them all. Yeah, so it's you know we'll just call it like a, a fairy tale retelling. I think they call it that. I think they call oh, it okay. a, dark, a dark fairy tale. Oh, okay, all right. Well, that's what we've got next, um, yeah. and there are two books out. I. Th- think it's only going to be a three book series or at least there's a third book that's pending release in February um so we're going to go ahead and cover what's out so far we're going to cover book one next week and then book two after that um so yeah that's yeah. that's it for now and we will be back with a ruin of roses it's uh, a nice name yeah it is <laughs> get ready to get ruined <laughs> oh boy <laughs> All right. We'll need it. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for listening, guys. We will see you next time. Bye. This has been another episode.
episode of the Sexy Scary Book Club with your hosts, Lisa and Jessica. We have more episodes available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you pod. If you like us and want to hear more, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe. You can find us on Instagram at sexyscarybook or send us an email and tell us what you think at sexyscarybookclub at gmail.com.